Real quick before we start this episode, there is a fleeting mention of self-harm around probably the 20-minute mark. If you hear me talking about uh, Richie James or Manic Street Preachers, go ahead and skip forward about a minute or so. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the episode and make sure you're taking care of yourselves out there. The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. It's strange, but uh, rock music is not popular in France. Mm-hmm. And there are some bands who are most, more popular in other countries than in France. So I remember uh, one day uh, I buy a CD uh, from an Australian guy on eBay and he asked, he asked me, okay, maybe could you help me? I'm trying to score uh, a record from a metal French band and I've never heard the name before. So sometimes some, let's say, rock or metal French band are more popular outside of, of France than, than in France because uh, I would say... Most of people in France are. We have a, a huge, uh, let's say, uh, local scene singing in uh, with uh, where mm-hmm. song uh, sung um, sung in French. And uh, I would say teenager and so on. They are heavily into the uh, hip hop music because we have a, a huge uh, local scene. So rock music is definitely. It has never been huge in France, but nowadays it's. If you just tune in a radio station, you barely hear a guitar. Yes, mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, nowhere to be heard, so it's a shame. So, but that's why there's probably a lot of, uh, let's say, rock French band that I don't, I'm not aware of. Yeah, it's just like everywhere. It's just no, it's pop music because it's popular, right? That's <laughs> why do you listen to it. Yes, but hip hop is, is is very very huge. Mm-hmm. I'd say when coming back to Pearl Jam, I would say in my life I probably, if I take aside the Pearl Jam live shows. Maybe I've met maybe less than ten people uh, that that uh, that knew Pearl Jam and so on. It's they are very not well known in France. Welcome to season two, episode seven of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Yes, this is Brandon, and today we're talking about blood. The we in the we are talking today is my guest, Aurelion Merrill. Yeah, hello. Thanks for having me. Hello. And I said your name right, right? Or how do yes, you like to say it? Uh, I say it Aurélien Bourreau, but I, I know it's hard from a non-French speaker. So if you call me Aurélien, I'm definitely fine with it. Oh, well, it's it's your name, so... Yes, I'll try to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, unless I say it too bad and you just sigh way too loud and are uh, face palming and just (laughs) tell me to stop. Just stop. (laughs) You're not doing it right. Stop. You're embarrassing everyone. (laughs) No, I'm sure you will be. You will do it good. And blood is the topic. But first, I have to ask you, uh, Aurelion. when did you first hear of Pearl Jam? Um, somewhere, sometime in 1992. Um, at the time, I was fortunate to have um, an access to MTV UK. 
And uh, I was already a fan of Guns N' Roses because it's the first band that I've really listened to, uh, thanks to a, a friend who lent me a mixtape. And then I started to watch uh, MTV UK just to, to see a uh, um, video of Guns N' Roses. And then I probably saw Alive and even Flow a few times. But it's really when uh, Jeremy came out that I, I fully embraced the program because I think I, I, was, bl I was blown away by the song, also by the video. Uh, but uh, I, I'm a big fan of bass and uh, Jeremy is obviously a bass-driven song. So... So it's Jeremy that really turns me into Pearl Jam. And then the uh, MTV Unplugged uh, came out. I don't remember exactly when it aired, probably in, in uh, autumn, uh, in fall uh, 1992. And then I was uh, fully uh, into Pearl Jam. And that was uh, for, from watching uh, European MTV, you said, right? Or uh, UK MTV? Yes, it was MTV. It was MTV UK, but uh, there was some, uh, I would say, local uh, local program. But we also have a program from the US. So, uh, for example, there was a, there was a Ed Banger's Ball. It was the uh, a section dedicated to mm -hmm. let's say heavy music, and we have the European Ed Banger's Ball. But uh, for alternative musics, uh, I would say it was probably. 120 minutes and uh, alternative nation and in fact these two programs we we had the uh, u.s uh, program so it was a, a mix of let's say local un local uk program and u.s program yes and speaking of the bass from jeremy uh this has a this song has quite a a bass part in the middle although it's uh mostly a sort of stone gossard mike mccready song uh we've got uh a lot of funk sort of bass grooveness also with the uh with the wah pedal going on Aurelian call me Aurelian I think it's easier like that Aurelion? Yeah. What is your, what was, when you first hear, heard the song, what was your um, uh, understanding of what the lyrics were? Or what did it sort of mean to you? How, how versed in English were you to, to understand the song? So at the time as well, I was only 13, meaning that I've only started to um, um, my uh, English class uh, for one year, so I have very, let's say, basic uh, knowledge of English. But with, Jer with Jeremy, uh, there's, a there's obviously a link between the lyrics and the, um, the video. So my understanding was that the song was about, uh, let's say, a teenager feeling not very well and uh, in his classroom and so on. And I wasn't a teenager at the time, so it kind of uh, speaks to me. Obviously, I did not get all the subtleties and the fact that the, the video is only let's say, one interpretation of the lyrics and mm -hmm. that all the, the lyrics were not uh, tr uh, translated into the video. But my one understanding what it was about, uh, I would say at the time, I probably did not fully understand the ending of the video because at the end is, uh, so there's blood everywhere. And I, at the time, I did not, I was not sure if, uh, if a teenager has committed suicide or if he, or if he has shot all of his uh, classmates. 
because we we had the censored version when when you you don't see the um, Jeremy put uh, the, the gun into his mouth. Mm -hmm. so there was a kind of uh, uncertainty uh, regarding the the last part of uh, of the video. Yeah. So, but Jeremy really turned me into Pearl Jam, and then I I remember buying Ten and uh, enjoying uh, this album a lot. It's probably one of the albums that I've listened to uh, in 19, 1992. And um, we have the we have the uh, European version of the time, meaning that we have Wash and Dirty Frank on it. So for me, Wash and Dirty Frank are integral part of Ten because it's it's uh, they have only been part of the Ten version that I have bought in back in the day. And I would say so. I would say I continuously listened to Pearl Jam, and in 1993, when Versus came out. I remember buying it maybe not on the release date, yeah. maybe a few weeks after. And I still remember buying the CD, put the CD in my uh, Discman, and was blown. And I was blown away by what I've listened to. So it started with Go, it ended with Indifference, and there were so, so many good sounds on this album and uh, a huge variety of, of uh, sounds. Because I would say with 10, um, there is a variety, but all the there is a similar sound, in my opinion, from one song to another. If you compare it to uh, versus the variety of uh, of songs in versus is uh, huge, in my opinion. Because you have some heavy hitter like Go and Blood. You have some more classic rock like um, Animal Dissident. You have some funky part in Glorify G uh, or in Rats. You have a folk a folk song like Elderly Woman, and uh, you have Leech, which is also more of a this uh, track sounds more like a, a ten era song, yeah. and the closing uh, track "Indifference." When at the time I did not get all the all the words of, of it, but I fully get the the emotion. So I'd say "Versus" uh, is probably in my top five light, lifetime album, and uh, it's really one of the few albums when I still remember where where I was and what what were the emotion that I felt when I first listened to it. And what I really like about Versus, and I would say especially as a teenager, I I listened to the the album once, and then a second times and three times, and every time that I list that um, I've listened to this album, I kind of discover new 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 feature in the sounds, uh, new new things that I did not get during the previous um, listening session. So it's in my opinion, it it was not an album, but where after the first um, after listening to it the, f the first time you you are you have grasped all of it but it it needed for me i would say as a time as a teenager uh, to listen to it several times to to really enjoy it and i really like albums that i don't enjoy um at first i like people um, i like uh, albums that grow on me yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um th this song is probably like this and Leash are like the hardest rocking songs, and and also vocally the most one of the most yeah. aggressive performances. I think it's it's I think full on angry Eddie at this point with the uh, with the lyrics and and the the singing. What uh, what did you get from the lyrics from this song, or what do you sort of what did you think it to mean when you uh, were first listening to it when you were younger? I would say when I was younger, I was paying more attention to the music and the lyrics were com coming uh, just after. 
So mm -hmm. the, um, thankfully, the lyrics were in the uh, liner notes. So I tried at the time to kind of translate it, but there was a lot of uh, things that I did not get. Uh, so because there is some reference to um, music magazine and so on. And I would say at the time at f when I was 13, um, you know, all the media pressure and so on that the artists are um, kind of suffering to, it was not something that I was very aware of. Because I started to listen music to Guns N' Roses and this band, I think they were kind of fine with the... They wanted to be the best, the, the biggest rock band in the world. There were a lot of excess and so on. And then Nirvana came, came out. Mm -hmm. or at least I, I started to listen to Nirvana after uh, Guns N' Roses. And then I discovered the fact that, okay, not all artists want to be the biggest band in the world. They, have, they want to keep their integrity. They want to keep their creativity. They want people to appreciate their music, but not to be uh, a manufacturer thing. So a song like Blood, I would say it's only maybe a few a few years after that I started really to understand what what was the, the meaning. Yeah, I think that for me, when I listened to it, it was, like you said, just a hard song and just kind of like, yeah, he's screaming, oh yeah, blood, yeah, blood is awesome because <laughs> you're young and it's, 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 it's metal, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and once again, I would say... Um, in France, but not only in France, I think it's the same in Italy. Uh, a lot of people are kind of singing uh, the words of songs without understanding the words or fully being aware of what are the, the underlying stories because it's more mu music first. Yeah, it's just uh, they'll sing along phonetically without really knowing exactly. what's and going on. And I would on, say yeah. even with uh, French music, uh, sometimes it's hard to understand what, what are the words and so on. Generally, in the, in the chorus, it's easier, but in the verses, sometimes you, you don't really pay attention to, to what uh, the artist is, uh, is singing and so on. So it was more about the music first. And the, I would say all the ly ly lyrical aspects come maybe a few years after. Yeah, and plus, too, with the way Eddie sings and sometimes without the lyrics in the, uh, with all the lyrics in the music, you, you sing along phonetically because you don't know what he's saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um yeah the the magazine in the magazine references the spin magazine rolling stone circus yes it's exactly one thing that i but i've only discovered maybe once i had an internet access so maybe in the late 90s when I try to really understand what what were the meaning of the song and so on, because before, uh, okay, Rolling Stone, I was aware of this magazine, but I would not have guessed that uh, it was a reference to Rolling Stone and Spin Magazine and Circus. Uh, I was not aware of this uh, magazine. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd ever, I'd heard of Circus, but I'd never seen one of those yeah. magazines. And Spin was always sort of the... It was always the the also ran, I think, to Rolling Stone. That was always the biggest one. And then Spin was sort of like, oh, if you had like an yeah. older sibling or something who knew more about music, they'd be like, oh, you know, once you get to college, you know, now you read Spin magazine because it's cooler because not as many people know about it. Because Rolling Stone, it was possible to buy, um, let's say, uh, I would say English version of uh, Rolling Stone in bookstores and so on. But I've never seen a a spin on a circus uh, magazine. Yeah. Also the, you know, um, turn into my enemies or, you know, 
it could also be a reference to the magazine enemy as well. I don't know if that's really. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, it wasn't until probably, uh, I don't know, sometime after 2000 that I had heard that. Oh yeah. That is a reference to those magazines. It's like, Oh, okay. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. That I, 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 I didn't really get that. It was about, Eddie being made into a celebrity and being bled dry by, you know, people wanting to make money off of pictures and stories and everything but like I, that. I, I probably have a different perspective because back in the day, uh, apart from uh, MTV UK, mm-hmm. uh, Eddie was maybe in a, a few cover of a guitar magazine and so on with Pearl Jam, but I've never felt, uh, I would say, in my small uh, town in France, uh, I, it was not possible to kind of feel the, the pressure because mm-hmm. with Nirvana it was different because uh, Nirvana was everywhere. Uh, the yeah. Smells Like Teen Spirit, Rape Me, they were heavily rotated on the, let's say, regular radio and so on. So for Nirvana, I totally get uh, the pressure. But with Pearl Jam, from France, it was harder to 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 feel it. There's there's a lot of stuff too of of I think people wanting to know you know, especially I think with uh, with younger people and with people trying to feed the wants of younger people. I mean, nowadays there's um, all the pop stars and stuff like that. Uh, um, oh, what's the BTS or something? There's and and all the other super pop stars. They want to know everything, and so it's like, oh, who's Eddie's girlfriend? Where you know what's Stone up to? What's uh, Dave or Mike? You know what's the, what's their life like? And so people want to know these things, you know, especially if you're young because you look up to these people and they're they're rock stars and it's kind of oh they're cool i want to be cool like them like what's yeah. i want to know i want to know everything but probably once again it maybe it's more um different uh, cultural difference because in in france generally even with our local artists we tend to be very cautious about private life and so on so i would say yeah. private life it's something uh that should stay private and i would say in France, I would say the, the biggest, biggest artists, if they don't want to, if they don't want to, to talk to the press or to be followed by the press, generally they, they can live a quiet life without being uh, uh, harassed by the press. There's not many uh, tabloid magazines? No, the tabloid magazine, there may be one or two magazines, but we are very far from what can be seen in the UK. Yeah. So I don't know for the US, but I know in the UK there are some huge tabloid magazines. But even for politicians and so on, we have very mm-hmm. there's a we have a huge sense of protection regarding private life. That's probably why uh like Jim Morrison moved there and uh maybe that's why he moved there, but uh, I would say it's 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 different. You there's a lot of law protecting the um, the private life and so on. So you you cannot uh, do what you oh, want. Okay. You cannot say what you want. Uh, so and all these tabloid aspects, it it kind of changed with the internet right now. But with uh, at, at the time, it was not a, a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So as a teenager, I get the fact that there were artists, there was some pressure f- on them, but it was it was. For me, it was hard to grasp uh, what what was what were the the pressure that they felt on a daily or continuous basis. Yeah, I, I think too for 
for me, it sort of reminds me of the uh, story of uh, Richie Edwards from Manic Street Preachers um, when he was being interviewed by NME about, oh, you know, how how artistic are you really? You know, are you are are you authentically, you know, are you authentic? Is this really who you are? And you're not just putting on a facade and stuff like that. And so he's like, oh, okay, I'll show you how real I am. And he gets a razor blade and carves yep. into his arm the the number four and then spells out real uh to sort of prove you know this is this you know i am really depressed and i am really serious about hurting myself and so if i have to prove myself to you you know i'll i'll, I'll do it this way in the most shocking way possible and i think that when yep. you're writing songs where you're putting all of your heart into it and you don't want people to doubt that that's really you that's like, Oh, you're just writing this stuff because it's, you know, you're trying to get popular or you're trying to speak for a generation or whatever. If, if it's really what you're thinking and really feeling, I mean, yep. you're, you, you're filling the pages. You're so you're soaking the pages, you know? Exactly. I would say it was a common theme at the time because, uh, uh speaking for example, of the smashing pumpkins, there are uh, mm -hmm. the song, the bullet with butterfly wings. Uh, you know, it started yeah. with the lyrics, uh, the world is a vampire. And I would say it's kind, it was kind of the same, same theme that people just wanted to, to drain the money, everything that they could from the artist and then just throw them away, uh, once they're done to, to move to something else. Mm -hmm. I would say it's different because in, in France, we don't have the same, uh, even the, the record labels and so on. I don't think that they try to to push as hard as they can with some artists just to throw them to throw them away just after. It's different. We have, I think, a different culture regarding uh, this. So at the time, I don't, I did not get the full, uh, let's say, the full meaning of the song. Expect that it was a, an angry song and about uh, someone wanted to drain his blood. So and to <laughs> <laughs> so I tried maybe to not to kill him, but to take as much as uh, as they could from him. It was the, the let's say the basic meaning that I get at yeah. the time. But I was more on the I was more onto the music at the time, so I was heavily into yeah. the how the how the song is built and so on. Yeah, I think some of the um the tags too that they'll throw into the middle jam part fed into that too. There they would do well, Atomic Dog, but I mean they would do that a couple times. I think that's just because it was, you know, just yep. funky and it's easy to throw that in there. <laughs> Sometimes it suck those, stick those lyrics, and uh, mud honeys suck you dry. Mm -hmm. 
you said something about France. You're, are you French? Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't know. No, I, <laughs> if you're just figuring that out now, I don't think we mentioned that at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm French. Are there any, um, have you seen uh, this song live at all in, uh, in your concert goings? Yes, I see this, this song twice uh, in uh, 2014 in uh, Amsterdam and Berlin. I would say nowadays it's the kind of song that they put uh, during the last encore or the first encore, uh, whereas in, the, in their first, um, in the early 90s, it was more a song that you can find anywhere in the set. And I think they probably usually play it through, uh, as of today when uh, Eddie can do it because obviously it's, uh, it's hard for, for him to, to, to sing it. And I would say the, the two times I saw it, it was not... Uh, the first verse was kind of sloppy and it's only starting from the first chorus that Eddie started to, to sing it, I would say, properly. I don't have a, a vivid memory of the first time I saw it in Amsterdam, but uh, the second time in Berlin, I really remember it because all the, the crowd was crazy about it. Everyone was screaming and uh, singing as loud as they could to, for this song. But they play it uh, in May '93 at uh, in San Francisco at a, probably a, a small venue called Slim Cafe. It was a secret show. I was not aware of this show, but I will definitely try to listen to these bootlegs because you have seven live debut from Versus, and there um, you also have a debut of Betterman and Whipping, and uh, and there are a few gems like Hard to Imagine, uh, Alone, and a Dirty Frank. So I. It's probably a, a bootleg that I should uh, listen to uh, in the coming days. Yeah, you've, you've been reading your Pearl Jam 20, haven't you? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that, that's, where I, that's where I saw that information. Ah, okay, because I don't have my book. My book is not, um, it's in a, a basement somewhere. So I just made some, my basic research on the internet. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to say, it's like, oh, I just know that off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I made a, a short a short file with things that I would like to to bring out during uh, this episode. So and they played it uh, two hundred times, um, and I would say nowadays it's more during the encore. Yeah, I think the 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 last time I saw it was uh, one of the last times I saw them uh, in two thousand three. It looks like according to my to my app. Yes, because they stopped playing it from uh, from ninety eight to two thousand during the two thousand times two thousand tour. They did not play, and it it was back in the mm-hmm. set in two thousand and two. So it was it was played more regularly every free show or something like that. And I would say no, no, nowadays they play it maybe once or twice a year. Yeah. In two thousand and eighteen, they play it only only twice. So, but I have a really vivid memory of seeing uh, my live debut of uh, this song because my first version uh, live show was only in two thousand and twelve. So I'm a, a late comer. When it comes to mm-hmm. when it comes to Perjam, and um, I don't see I only see one show in 2012, and only in 2014 I, I went to five shows. So it's where I started to to be able to witness uh, the more and more songs from Perjam. I've kind of be- become an addict because in 2018, when I went to seven shows, so I don't know next time <laughs> next time what it will be, but. Um, they're getting older. They're coming to Europe uh, not so often because I would say in the in the late uh, they played. Uh, they come in Europe in 2006 and then 2007, 2009, 2012, 
in 2014, but then we uh, we had um, a gap of four years until 2018. So I'm wondering if maybe we will come only every four years from now. Yeah, but they'll, when when whenever they come up with a new album, they'll definitely make all the rounds at, yeah. at least to yes. Europe and America. I don't know about South America since they're out a little yes. bit harder. But they have to release. A, they probably have to release a new album be, before yeah. touring once more. Because in my opinion. Even if I, I would definitely, I would like to see them uh, even without new material. But I think it would not make sense to 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 make a new tour without yeah. new material because I think we are definitely uh, the lightning bolt uh, era is definitely uh, over for now. So unless they are starting to 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 do some thematic tour with a specific album of or something like that, but I think we we definitely need some uh, new stuff. Yeah, I think even if if they went the round of some other bands right now where they'll play a whole album front to back doing like tours of that, it's it I think it'll only go so far if they if 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 they do that and try to take that on tour because, you know, that you would do that but then you still got it's like okay, well then there's still, you know, an hour and a half of a show that you can do. So And I think with Pearl Jam was different. I would say for most of the the bands I would say, uh, for example, uh, with Metallica, also them playing Master of Puppets from front to back and the Black Album from back, mm-hmm. to, front, back to front. And I was very happy about it. But with Perdam, I'm more expected uh, deep cut and so on than a full album front yeah. to back. They, they do it for most of the albums as of today, and they try to put it once in a while and i think it's probably the good way to do it because fans are following pearl jam because of the uh, full rotating uh, set list yeah that's why you that's where the addiction come from because if they played uh, the kind of the same similar set uh, every show i would probably go to only one or two shows every tour but not, but not five or seven shows yeah but uh yeah, yeah. And, and then you wouldn't be able to and then you wouldn't want to get all those bootlegs too yeah <laughs> Yes, but I'm a heavy bootleg uh, listener, so I've listened to probably almost all the bootlegs uh, from uh, 2000 uh, as of uh, 2018, and then I have I have to go back to the to the 90s now. Yeah, well, you got to hit those uh, nefarious sources to find those ones. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, because for for all the official uh, release, I think the you have the Nugs apps, mm-hmm. so. You can subscribe for it's thirteen uh, USD per month, and you oh, yeah, have f- right. and you have access to all these shows. So I think it's it's very convenient because you have all the show in your phone, and uh, I would say it, I think it's a fair price. Is there uh, is there anything else about this song that we think we gotta we gotta get out? Mm, maybe we could have mentioned that it was pre- uh, music was. Uh, uh, pr- uh, primarily uh, written by uh, mm-hmm. Stone and Mike, so I definitely saw. Uh, the prob- I think the probably the main riff uh, uh, has been written by Stone, and all yeah. these uh, arpeggio and uh, wah pedals were probably by Mike. And it's probably, I think it's probably the first kind of punk song that they have released because because in No Code you have songs like Luckin and and uh, yeah, uh, but I think it's probably the first. It was kind for me as a great way to, uh, because I was I was more in, at the time into alternative music of I would say standard uh, heavy metal or hard rock music, but not I was I was not really um, aware of punk music, 
and this kind of uh, of tracks kind of opened my mind about a different way to to compose songs and to to put all you can in a less than three minute song because I really like mm. uh, the end of the of the song when all the instruments goes crazy and uh, the drums is super hard you you can really yeah. hear the bass very well you add everything during this uh, the last part of the song. Something to mention maybe is that if you're just listening to the CD or to your Spotify, it's track seven. But at the time, if you have bought the vinyl or your cassette, it's actually the first track of uh, side B. I, I really like the way that Versus is sequenced. And I think it's, it, was, um, it was appropriate to, to put it at the, at the first, as the first track of side B. Yeah. Because it's fast, it's hard, and then you can enter into Review Mirror, which is a... Uh, Definitely one of Perdam staples, but which is more uh, a classic song. How would you uh, rate this on uh, within the Pearl Jam catalog? Uh, it's hard because Pearl Jam catalog for me it's almost only four and five stars. No, I think it's not a five star. It's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a probably a solid four. But there's so many good songs, and it's hard to to rate. And mm-hmm. Versus is what is my favorite Pearl Jam album. Uh, I like every of these songs. I listen to to them so many times that I'm. It's hard for me to to think that one of it is not as good as the other. But I would probably put a four on this one. Yeah. For me, it's a little hard to make a difference between three and four. At, at, at least you know if I'm doing yeah. it in iTunes or something like that, or doing like ratings because yes. it's like, oh no, I really like it. It's like. But how much do I like it? Do I want to save like five star for my absolutely favorite, favorite Pearl Jam songs? Or is it just being, oh, yeah, it's super, it's really good. Is that okay for five? And then if that's how I'm going, it's like, oh, well, then what do I do for four? Is it like if it's just an okay song, does that make it a two or three? Whereas if it's other bands or something, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll not be as critical or as... yeah. Because for me, on, on Versus, my go and difference are my either songs for which I would put a five. Uh, Review Mirror, I think it's, I prefer the live version because there is a lot of uh, more, um, you have some improvisation and the bridge is extended. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's probably a four and a half. And then everything is a, is a four for me. It's a flawless album. And I think that I, you know, with uh, when bands are releasing their second album, sometimes it's it sound the sound is too close to the previous one, so it's so and sometimes the departure is so huge that it's it's hard to you you kind of feel that it's a different band. And I think that versus it's one of the perfect example of a second album mm-hmm. when they they try new new stuff, but but there is a kind of uh, you can li- you can 
you can see where it comes from. So from uh, 10 and where it goes to Vitology. Because in Vitology, you have some weird stuff on it. And I would say with songs like Rats, for example, it's, it's kind of getting weird. And uh, so I like, I think it's a, it's a perfect second album. Yeah. And I like how the, from Versus, you can go to Versus and Vitology uh, quite naturally. Because when, once, when Knockout came out, it was a, for me, it was a departure from uh, the previous three albums. So I like how Versus is uh, integrated in the, kind of uh, awesome free first albums yes i don't know which which album is your favorite uh the verses verses okay yeah <laughs> oh we're similar on that one so pearl jam oh i was gonna try to say something <laughs> i was gonna try to say to say something uh 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 real deep and and i don't know it's like uh uh breaking barriers crossing oceans I, yes, crossing, I don't know. crossing the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks, thanks for coming on. Um, is do you no, have any you. social media or uh, projects no. you want to promote or no, anything? No, no. I, I'm just a, a regular listener You're from overseas, so I'm just a fan. I'm a fan of Persian, but also all all of your podcasts. So I think everyone is probably familiar with uh, single podcast theory, live on four legs, and the porch. And uh, I think you are doing kind of a a great job to promote the band, the band, and to to maybe for people like me, it's great to have some stuff or uh, podcast about song review because sometimes I I I do not get the the properly meaning of the song or there are some cultural reference that I'm not aware of. So I I learn a lot through through all your all of your podcasts. Oh, merci. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've ex I've exhausted all the all of my French now. <laughs> no, no problem. Oh wait, 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 wait. Uh, baguette, baguette, yeah. Um, croissant, maybe. Yes, uh, <laughs> French toast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> French poodle. Um, no, wait. I don't think those are French. No, <laughs> not French words. Oh well. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm going to try this one last time, and I'm going to nail it. Aurelion. 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 Uh, yeah. There we go. I'm, I'm trying to put too much of the French <laughs> stuff in it. No problem. No problem. And um, yes, you've, you've probably had a fun ride with covering all these uh, episodes, and um, I'm looking forward to to be able to listen to all the other guests that will feature on uh, season two and season three. Oh yeah. The Better Band Podcast is produced by listenupreno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from shoutengine.com slash thebetterbandpodcast using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ListenUpReno. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P, at Brand E-N-P. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Aurelio for coming on the show and also for donating at ko-fi.com slash b-r-a-n-d-e-n-p. And as always, this is Brandon saying, Ooh, look!
Look at me. I'm making people happy. I'm the magical man from Happy Land in a gumdrop house on Lollipop Lane. Oh, by the way, I was being sarcastic. <laughs>